0: All right, let's try that again. Uh, What's going on, Victory Church? How you doing? There we go. A little bit better. Look, it's pretty outside. I know it's going to rain at 1, but it's going to rain at 1. All right, so it's pretty outside right now. You get to enjoy your lunch in sunshine. Look, my name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the incredible privilege to pastor this church. And if you are visiting with us, we want to say welcome. Again, as Darla said, what a great Sunday to be here. And if you are visiting, let me just real quick kind of keep you updated. Here at Victory Church, we're about four things. We call them the four G's, all right? We're about growing, guiding, giving, and going. So growing, we want people to grow to God, grow to know God. Guiding, we want to help guide people to freedom. Uh, Giving, we want to help give people the opportunity to serve in their purpose, as Darla was talking about, because here at this church, we believe you're here on purpose because you have a purpose, and then going, we want you to go and make a difference, not just in individual lives, but in our community, and so that's what we're about here, that's what everything we do falls into one of those four categories, and listen, every Sunday, i like to take a second and just kind of highlight one of those things and what God's doing through this church, and for the, this week and for the next few weeks, we're going to take the time to really focus on that growing value and talk about Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday is what they call the Super Bowl of the church. And for most people, that means nothing. You could care less. But what's great about Easter Sunday is it's a great opportunity to be able to get people that you love that are in your life that may be far from God into the presence of God so that they can experience worship like you just experienced, so they can ex- experience a word about Jesus and how he died for us. And they get an opportunity to commit their life God, I said this last week and it's true, statistics say I think it's 82% of people will come to church if you invite them. That's normal. Think about that. 82% of people that you invite to church will come. Okay, so that means if you invite 10 people, it's a really good chance that eight of them are going to come. But they say that percentage shoots up on Easter because a lot of people go to church on Easter. And listen, I've said this for for months now and you're going to hear me talk about this until the day we die. There are 36,000 people currently in our zip code that don't go to church, don't know Jesus. Not in Rutherford County, not in Nashville, in our zip code. And that is why God sent us to Smyrna so that all 36,000 of those people would come to know him and be able to operate in their purpose. Amen? And so this is a great opportunity in a few weeks to be able to knock into that 36,000 and take a chunk out of that. We're going to have so many cool activities here that I'm going to talk about next Sunday. We're going to present them to our dream team and get our dream team up to date. And then the next Sunday, we will let you in on everything, and we'll put invites in your hand. It's just going to be a great time. Amen? You believe in big for Easter Sunday? All right. Don't let me believe by myself. Let me tell you what I'm believing, and then you can start praying now. I'm believing that this entire auditorium is going to be filled on Easter Sunday. All right? And I'll talk more about that as the weeks go on, but go ahead and start putting that in your journal, in the back of your mind, start praying for it now. Cool? You ready for the word? Hey, if you got your Bibles, open to the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 21. If you didn't bring your Bible, don't worry, you can look at it online, you can jump on the app, or you can just follow behind me so we'll be in the Old Testament because we've been following the life of David. We've been in a series called More, so 1 Samuel chapter 21, in a series called More, and for the first four weeks, we really focused on how God wants to do more in us, and, and give more to us, and that kind of concept, and how God has more for us, and we've talked a lot about that as we followed David from the pasture all the way to the palace, and just how, how God wants to do more in you, and for you, and all these things, and this week... And the last three weeks of this series, I want to focus on how God wants to do more through you. I, I, I think that, yes, God desires to do more in us, but I think God prefers to do more through us. And the reason for that is because when God does more through us, I think we also experience more in us in the process. And so it's kind of a deal where it just happens that way, and I think that's what God Is about And obviously as we're prepping for Easter, what a great opportunity to be thinking about God doing more through us. And so this is kind of why I chose for us to study the life of David like we are. Because the whole point of David, the whole situation of how David even came into play and why he's in your Bible, is because God wanted to do something through somebody. And so he wanted to do it through King Saul, and he was doing it through King Saul... And then a time came where King Saul said, I don't want you to do this through me anymore. And so God pivoted and said, all right, deuces. And he went to go find somebody that he could operate through. And that's when he sent Samuel to anoint David as the next king. And then we start to see 17, 18, 19, 20 chapters where, where God is operating through David, where he took out the, the, the giant Goliath and, and he won all these victories through David. So that's why it's important that we follow the life of David, and when we took off from the life of David last week, if you were here, David was on the run. And so he had killed Goliath. He was now starting to have victory after victory after victory. Saul got jealous, started throwing spears at him. David was hitting the matrix, right, and he was uh, dodging all the spears. And then he finally asked his wife to lower him down the window, and he took off running to get away from Saul. And that's where we're going to pick up on chapter 21, verse 1, when David arrives at a place called Nob. So it says, David went to Nob. To Ahimelech the priest. Ahimelech trembled when he met him. When David shows up, when the guy who kills tens of thousands and slays giants shows up at your tabernacle, you might shake a little bit until you know why he is there. And Ahimelech says, Why are you alone? Why is no one with you? This is odd that David, the mighty warrior, wouldn't have some boys with him. So something might be up. Why are you alone? And David answers to him, elect the priest, and he lies. Watch this. He says, the king sent me on a mission, a little private mission, and he said to me, no one is to know anything about the mission I'm sending you on. So David said, shh, I'm here secretly. The king sent me on this mission. That's why I don't have anybody with me. He said, as for my men, I've told them to meet me at a certain place. Now then, that I've gotten all that out of the way, David said, what do you have on Hand, What do you have in this tabernacle that I'm going to need? David said, give me five loaves of bread or whatever you can find. Give me the rolls from O'Charlie's. Give me the chips from Camino Real. Give me something to eat, whatever you've got on hand. But the priest answered, David, I don't have any ordinary bread on hand. However, there is some consecrated bread here, provided that your men have kept themselves from women." David replied, Indeed, women have been kept from us as usual whenever I set out. Because whenever David would go out to war, he would tell his men, Stay away from women because they might distract you. All right? There's a word for you. He said, The men's bodies, they're holy even on missions that are not holy. So even on regular missions, we don't hang around with women. Um, and especially on this, this secret mission, how much more so today? And so the priest gave him the consecrated bread. Since there was no bread there except the bread of the presence that had been removed from before the Lord and replaced by hot bread on the day it was taken away. Don't worry, I'm going to explain all that to you. Now, one of Saul's servants was there that day, detained before the Lord. He was Doeg, Doug in French, the Edomite, Saul's chief shepherd. David asked Ahimelech, don't you have a spear or a sword here? So now David's got his belly full, now he's looking for a weapon. I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon because on the king's mission was so urgent I had to shoot out the door and I didn't have time to grab my weapon. And the priest replied, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Eli is here. It's wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you want it, take it. There's no sword here but that one. And then David responded, there is none like it. Give it to me. So David is on the run. David has no food. He has no weapons. And he has no army. And he shows up to the priest, Ahimelech's area in Nob. And here's how I like to say it: he was looking for bread, blades, and boys. <laughs> right? Homies. Just make sure you were coming. Cool. He didn't have any army, he didn't have any weapon, he didn't have any food. And Ahimelech begins to uh, introduce two items in the story. Watch this. Two items that are filled with purpose. A loaf of bread, its purpose is clear. A sword. The purpose is clear. So he introduces two items that have complete purpose, but they aren't being lived out to their full potential. And I want to talk to you this morning just for a moment about the tragedy of stale bread and stored swords. So here's David. He shows up. He's starving, right? He's hungry. He says, Hey, do you have any bread? Is there anything I can eat here? And this is when Ahimelech says to him, the only bread, I have no ordinary bread, the only bread I have is consecrated bread. Let me explain that to you. In Jewish culture, and that tradition, when you walked into the tabernacle, there would be a gold table sitting right there at the entrance of the tabernacle. And on that gold table, it looked just like this, on that gold table would be 12 circular loaves of bread. Okay, And they would be in two different stacks of six. So when you walked in the tabernacle, this right here would be right beside you, right at the side. They called that the bread. Of presence. Another word for it was the bread of faces. This was consecrated bread that was put there to be as an offering to the Lord. Okay, so when you'd walk in the tabernacle uh, to be able to get your prey on, there would be this bread sitting here to the side, and it was not to be eaten for seven days. It would sit there, and on the seventh day, which was the Sabbath day, they would take those twelve loaves off. They would have baked twelve new loaves put them on, and now the priest and other consecrated people were able to eat the old loaves. Make sense? Anybody up to date on that? So when David comes in and says, hey, I'm hungry, give me some bread, the priest says, whoa, 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 the only bread I have is the bread of the presence. The only bread I have is the consecrated bread. Now, lucky for you, David, you came on the seventh day, but had you come on the first day, I'd have no food for you to eat. But because you happen to be here on the Sabbath day, you can eat the leftover bread if you haven't been with A woman. So you see how that process works. So it was interesting to me when I read this that seven days a week there's bread there that can't be eaten. Have you ever been around bread that can't be eaten? Is there any worse temptation? Right? Is there anything in this world that has better potential than bread? Can we just talk about this for a second? All right, y'all just y'all go with me on this ride. Let's just let's just. I'm a bread fan. All right. Juan asked me before service. He said, Hey, are you still addicted to bread? I was like, first of all, yes. Second of all, pray for me. You know what I mean? And so you can take bread, watch this, you can, you can cut a loaf off, and you can apply some peanut butter to one side, and you can apply jelly. Who in here puts peanut butter on one side and jelly on the other? Who in here puts the, pe- the jelly on top of the peanut butter? Y'all are the real spiritual people, okay? I just want to let you know, y'all, y'all are the real God followers. And so you can make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich out of bread You can take a slice of bread, you can toast it, and you can put a little tomato mix on it with some mozzarella. Uh, Is it mozzarella? And and put the little balsamic vinaigrette, you know, make a nice bruschetta, right? That's got some potential. You can take the bread and cut it up into squares. You can tell I had not eaten breakfast yet. You can cut it up into squares, and you can deep fry it, and you can make you some croutons or some croutons, depending on how rich you were when you grew up. Uh, You can take it, put some butter on it, make you a nice roll. There is nothing with more potential than bread, right? But regardless of its potential, the purpose of bread is what? To be eaten. Bread should never be out for show. Bread, it's, it's, the potential of bread is great. Put it I don't care if you to put jelly on it, you can put mustard on it, you can put turkey on it. I don't care what you put on it. I'm here to eat it, all right? That's what bread's for, is to be eaten. And it's interesting because this bread wasn't there to be eaten. It was just there for show. And actually, another nickname for it, if you research it, was the showbread. Showbread. It's just, it's just for show. And it's interesting to me because I'm starting to understand that when things aren't operating in the purpose in which they were created, they often end up just for show. I was talking to Malcolm, Malcolm and Andrew over at the house one night, and he, he's a dentist, and he was in one of his uh, get togethers with a bunch of people looking over. I don't, it was a lot of people with money, put it that way. Uh, that's why I wasn't invited. And so he, he said, Listen, I was talking to this guy, and he showed me this picture that this guy had, and it was a showroom of cars. Have y'all seen people who have this? It's like a garage, and the guy just had like 40 cars, 20 lined up over here, and 20 lined up over there, and they were beautiful. Anybody here a car person? You, you like cars? You're like, okay, all right, nobody. So we know what not to do here is have a car show. And so they had all these cars lined up. And I'm looking at this picture and it's great, but I'm thinking to myself, these cars were made to what? Be driven, to drive. And they're in this room just sitting there for show. So they're not being used for their purpose. And since they're not being driven, they can only be for Show. How many of you had a mom who had a, 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 a China cabinet? Y'all remember the China cabinets, right? And you walk in and there'd be all this dining ware sitting over behind glass and we're showing it off like it's special because it has some kind of engraved design. Meanwhile, you got to eat on a paper plate, right? Remember how this is? Like, like what's the, what is the purpose of China? Does anybody know the purpose of a plate? It's for you to put your lasagna on it, okay? It's for you to have your tacos when they spill out of the shell. The plate is supposed to catch all that meaty goodness so that you can scrape it up later. That's the purpose of a plate. But when you don't use a plate for its purpose, it's just for show. Anybody in here got a grandma who had that one room in her house? That was all pretty, but you couldn't go in it. You know what I'm talking about? It was the living room, but you weren't allowed to live in it. If you went in there, she would beat you up one side and down the other. Did you sit on my couch? Yes, because that's what a couch is for. No, you sit on the floor in the other room that has one little small TV, but you don't go in that room because this room's set up all pretty, and it's a living room, so it should be lived in, but since it's not being used for its purpose, it's just for show. When we aren't operating in our purpose, y'all, we have a danger of just falling into being for show. It's so important. Listen, can I tell you what the hardest battle for modern-day Christians is today? The hardest battle we have is doing all we can to make sure that the church doesn't end up being a showroom for Christians. A room where we just line up and look at our good deeds. Look at me. I memorized verses today. I've got Psalm 21, verse 7, right here. <laughs> just lining up, right? Just right beside you. You're, you know, you're trying to get in front of other people. I memorized two verses. It's a showroom. Look, look, look at my spiritual maturity. It's such a danger of the church just becoming this showroom of Christians who come every week, and they want to show off their spiritual maturity. When the whole entire point, the whole entire reason that God didn't suck us up the moment we accepted him as our Savior is because our purpose is to be able to tell other people about Jesus. That's our whole purpose. Listen, God did not save you so that you could stand in some type of cabinet scenario with glass like a packaged Barbie so that people could walk by and ooh and ah over your holiness. It's never what it was about. Jesus is never impressed with our holiness. Understand that. Jesus set you free. Jesus took you out of the fire and set your feet on solid ground, not so that you could allow other people to ooh and ah, but so that you could go out and tell people about it so that they could experience the freedom as well. That's the purpose. That is our purpose. Look at what 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says. Oh, my goodness. This is my new favorite verse. For we are Christ's ambassadors. Okay? In case you're not familiar with that word, here's kind of what that means. It means that you, the testimony of your life and what God's done in you, you are supposed to be a billboard for Jesus. You're supposed to have a flag about what Jesus has done in your life and just run around and tell people about Jesus. And here's my favorite part. Look what it says at the end. I'm sorry, put that verse back for me. Put that verse. God is making his appeal what? Through us. God is making his appeal through us. God is making his appeal through us, the reason that you are here. Can I just, I'm going to be as just kindergarten as I can be, all right? If the whole purpose of Christianity was for you to make it to your grave without sinning, then the second you said, Jesus, I accept you as my Savior, you would have, have been like the Avengers in Affinity War. You'd have just been dust, right? You'd have just gone, right? At you. Did I just ruin the movie for you? All right, you're just, just going to go up into heaven, because Jesus understands that, guess what, you are a sinner, right? You're a sinner. And so if his whole point was for you to never sin again, he'd have just took you up right then. He'd have just taken you. But he left you here because he wants to do a work through you, through you. The reason why there are people around you that you can't stand is because God has a purpose for to do something to them through you. The reason why you have the job you do is because God wants to do something through you. The reason God moved you to Smyrna is because God wants to do something through you. The reason why you got two kids, five kids, no kids is because God wants to do something through you. The reason why you married him and you look at him right now and go, why did I marry? is because God wants to do something through y'all, all right? That's the whole purpose. Here's what I've come to understand. Satan does not waste his energy trying to stop God from getting to us. You know why? Because it would be a waste of his time. He can't stop him. So instead of Satan spending his energy trying to stop God from getting to us, instead he spends his energy trying to stop God from getting through us. Right? He long time ago gave up trying to stop God from setting you free. Let me give you a mini sermon. The only reason why we're still in bondage is not because Jesus isn't powerful enough. It's because we're not willing to allow him to do what he's supposed to do. Okay? There is no ability for Satan to stop God from getting to you. Please, let's just for a second read the Bible and see how Jesus would just appear places, right? He'd be over here, and then he'd be like, "Boo!" over here. All right, so he can just come all up in your stuff. He can set you free at any moment. That is not the devil's goal to try to stop him from setting you free because he cannot Stop him. His goal is to try to get you from talking to people about the freedom that you've experienced. Because if he can stop God from getting through you, then he can stop the movement of the gospel altogether. So God has set you free. He set me free. Yeah, but could you just be quiet about it? Can you just just be quiet about it? There's this story I got to share with you because it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I have a lot of them, as you can tell, and it's about Paul in the book of Acts, and Paul has been, he, he's been arrested, okay, and he's been put in jail, he's been arrested for sharing the gospel, and he's been put in jail, and Paul was one of those guys, y'all heard me talk about it a couple of weeks, he was just kind of like, hey, you want to put me in jail? Cool. You want to kill me? Cool. Like, whatever you do, I'm going to be with God, so it's whatever. Well, then the word gets back to Paul that because of God and the things that God's orchestrating, he's about to be set free from prison, all right? is about to be released. And, and go ahead and skip, skip to that verse for me. I, wanna, I want them to see this. I don't think I'm making it up. All right. So, um, <laughs> so, the, so the captain comes, or the jailer comes, and, and this is what it says. So watch this. And the jailer reported these words to Paul. So the jailer comes. Imagine Paul, he's behind the bars, right? He's probably sitting over there, quoting, who knows what he's doing, right? He's setting up, grow track, like whatever he's doing behind bars. And, and, and the jailer comes, and he says, look, the captains have sent that you may be let go. Here's what he said. I'm here to let you know you're free. I don't want to tell you this. I want you to stay in prison. But the captain said, someone who's above me said, come on, I got seven sermons in one sermon. Someone who's above me said, you got to be set free. So even though I don't want to set you free, I'm going to set you free. Now watch what he says, all right? I'm going to read to you from the scripture and I'm going to give you my Troy language from it. He says to him, now therefore having gone out, depart in peace. Here's what he's saying. Since you are being set free, at least keep your mouth shut you can be set free just don't tell anybody right just don't go out here shouting talking about freedom just would you just go quietly we'll release you but would you just go quietly and i love Paul's response because Paul's like what did you just say like did you just you don't put me in jail for no reason and now because my god operates the way my god operates now i'm being set free and you want me to be Quiet, and, and then look what Paul says. He says they want to send us away secretly. They want us to keep our mouth shut about what God's doing. And Paul's words are absolutely not. No way, Jose. Right? Not gonna happen. I wish I could do my Cardi B. I'm like, okay, you know what I mean? Like, there's just no, it's not gonna happen. This, listen, listen. You put me in jail. God set me free, and now you want me to be quiet about it? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. i felt the Lord tell me this this week. The gospel is being hindered not by closed ears but closed mouths because we're being quiet about it. Because God set us free and God did great things in my life, but I'm not telling anybody about it, right? I'm going quietly. Satan comes and says, look, I will restore your marriage. I'll let your marriage be restored. I'll let your kid find Jesus. But you at least need to be quiet about it. I'll let God heal you, but you need to be quiet about it. And for some reason, we allow that to happen and we move forward and we're quiet about it. Our faith may be personal, church, but it was never meant to be private. It was never meant to be private. We have been given the bread of life. That's what the Bible refers to Jesus as, the bread of life. There's another verse in the Bible that says, taste and see that I am good. So watch this. Every person that doesn't know God is starving. Do you know why people are always looking for answers in every wrong place? Because the right place doesn't seem to speak up. And so they're looking because they're starving. You ever been to the grocery store and been hungry? Don't ever go grocery shopping hungry. You'll come back with Fruity Pebbles, right? All kinds of them. I mean, you'll you'll just have rant candy bars. You'll have old Valentine's Day candy where you got it for like 75% off because you're starving. And people in the world are starving for something. They're starving and they're looking, right? And if we're not careful, they'll come to the church that has the bread of life and we'll have it set back somewhere and not putting it out. And it's just getting stale in the back. It's a tragedy of stale bread. The bread was meant to be eaten. Taste and see that he is good. Church, I know your faith is personal. I know what God did in your life was was rough. I, I know what you went through was was tough. I know it's hard to talk about it, but listen, it was never meant to be private. It's supposed to be used to be able to feed those that are starving. It's not supposed to be set over on a table, so they can just become stale. It's supposed to be there. It's not just for show. I, I, that word alone, that sentence, should set every one of us free. That we were not saved to just be put on for show. One time, uh, I, was, I was younger, I was at the mall, and they were doing, y'all seen this where like stores will do real models, real, real, like, like but you here's your, it's not like you walk and, you know, do your thing. You, you had to come in and sit there and do the, and like you put on their clothes, but people walk by the mall, you're like in the glass window, like there. I was like nine doing it. And you think this is really fun, right? You're like, oh, man, that looks really cool. Can't wait to do that. It looks really cool. And then you do it. And if you ever played hide-and-seek as a kid, you know what it's like to get in this place and all of a sudden you got to pee? You know what I'm talking about? It's just like, snap. And this got really old really quick. This is why I think people don't want to be Christians. Because they think this is what Christianity is. Let me come out, get my best me, and be put on show. Right? I don't know about you, but this ain't fun to me. I don't want to do this. I was not called to be put on show. I was called to live my testimony and live my life and shout to everyone I could about it. Right? So David eats the bread, and then he says, now that I got food, got a weapon? Is there a sword around here? And this was so interesting to me. I don't know if you guys have ever read it before. But remember, in chapter 17... David took Goliath down with a stone to his head, so he knocked him out, and then he went and got a sword and cut his head off. And that's the last time you read about the sword. Well, now all of a sudden, Ahimelech says, yeah, I got a sword here. It's the same sword you used to kill Goliath. But here was the part that was interesting to me. But it's wrapped up in cloth, and it's over there behind the ephod. Any of y'all starting to get out summer decorations? Anybody getting into that, right? You know what it's like to go into your attic or your basement and be like, where is my son thing that I put in the yard and the wind makes it turn oh it's it's oh it's back there and it's behind all that stuff so when I read that I'm imagining the sword is back there behind all that stuff it's got dust on it right nobody's looked at it nobody's talked about it it's just back there behind that stuff and so I started imagining this and I'm like all right David goes can I take this all right David goes and he gets the sword right it was not, I did not plan this, so this ought to be interesting. And he starts unwrapping the sword. I'm a, it, it was Goliath's sword, so it's probably about this big. And he's looking at it, right? And he hadn't looked at it in a long time. And I started to imagine him remembering stuff. Man. Ooh, hoo, hoo, hoo. That day, that day, that day. I remember that day. Hey, Ahimelech, come here, bro, let me tell you about this. That day, they had sent me there to get some bread. And, man, there was this big giant dude, and he was talking smack, and nobody was doing even my Even my sissy brothers, they weren't doing anything about it. And so I was like, man, I can fight him in the name of the Lord. And then Saul so was like, here, take my sword. And I was like, no, I don't want your stuff, bro. And I went out into the field, and he started talking smack again. And I was like, okay. And I, I, I got my little thing. I was ready. I took him down. And I ran over there, man. I grabbed this sword out of his hole. I could barely pick it up. I was like. And then with the four, I just, wow. Glad that didn't come off. That, you'd have sued me if I'd hit you with it. Wow. And I just cut off his head. He's like, man, that was, a, whew, that was a good day. And while he's remembering all that, you know, it's been a rough couple of weeks for David. He's been running from Saul, dodging spears, being lowered out of windows, right? And here he is going, man, I remember that day. Oh, I remember the victory that day. You know, it's, I feel like Christians are the best at storing victories. God does something in our life and we just wrap it up store it over there behind the ephod and go back to life. You know how I know that? Because you can be talking to somebody and be like, oh man, when I was 12, I was at this youth camp and oh man, God moved. People were praying and they were all over the place and it was amazing. Sounds like that was a long time ago. That's a stored victory. Oh man, there was this one time my grandma was praying over us. And there was this incredible miracle this one time. There was this one time. There was this one time. As Christians, we're so good at storing the victories that God did in our life. We're so good at taking those things and wrapping them up and then going and finding a good safe place, putting that memory down. And then over time, stuff starts to pile in front of it. And we get so focused on the stuff and the things we're running from And we forget all about the fact that behind the stuff is evidence that God always gives me victory in every situation. Can can I tell you something? The, The sword is symbolic of your testimony. Let me show you what I mean. The sword is what the enemy meant to try and use to kill David, right? That was his weapon. God took it, spun it around. And David used it to overcome his enemy. That's symbolic of your testimony. The very thing that the enemy tried to use to kill you, God allowed for you to take it, turn it around, and overcome the enemy and help change lives. It's your testimony. So why do we keep storing away our testimony? Why would if I if I was David, I would have put it on my hip. You know what I mean? I'd have just been walking around. Oh Lord. I'm glad Pastor Brian's not here. He'd be like, if you don't put that thing down, I'd just be walking around with it. Now, and here's why I would do this. You want to know why I would do this? Because I could walk in and people would be like, uh, hey, man, uh, what's with the sword? I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you about the sword. Let me tell you about this moment where God did something in my life. All right, right? But instead, when we store it away and then we walk into a situation Now there's problems and we ain't got no reminders of what God's done, and when you don't have a reminder of what God's done, you will start to believe what you're looking at, and start to believe that God can't help you in this situation. Do you know how hard it is to be overcome by your current situation when this massive sword is hanging on your side? It'd be really hard because first of all, you'd be walking like did like a pimp, you know what I mean? You did that little. Y'all don't remember that. Okay. And so when you come into a hospital room and somebody's sick and people are starting to wonder if God can do healing and you just start to go, man, I don't, oh, wait a minute. He did it once. When you get that call about your job and they got to let you go and you start looking at all your bills, and right? When you're about to start worrying, if you didn't have this, you would have the temptation to go, I don't think God is with me. But when you have this, you kind of, well, 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 well. That's going to be my new hashtag, Well. about this church I just want us to get to a place where we quit storing our swords it's interesting to me watch this that a weapon that God had used in a past victory was now made available for him to use in a present one it's your testimony church The same thing God did in a past victory is what he'll give you to give you offensive abilities in your current one. You think you don't have a weapon, but you forgot he gave it to you four years ago. You just stored it away behind some stuff. And now with your Christmas decorations and that ugly, ugly Thanksgiving balloon where the turkey blows up to 10 feet tall and you put it in your front yard, guess what? Back in the attic with that stuff is your testimony. And it's stored, and it's just collecting dust. And here you are looking for a weapon. It's the tragedy of stale bread and stored swords. So I'm praying about this this week, right? Oh, man. I was so convicted by this. Because I've had better days, but there's still days where I walk around my gym, and I don't talk to anybody about Jesus. And even though there are 50 or 100 people there who could very well need the bread of life, they might be Christians, they might not, but I still fall in those things. And and the Lord convicted me this week. He told me this story. I got to set it up for you. You good? You good? You going anywhere? Okay, great. Thank you. How many of y'all play with action figures as a kid? Anybody? So glad somebody raised their hand. I've been asking people just kind of setting up to see if I was a loser. And everybody was like, I didn't play with action figures. And I'm like, first of all, You're lying. Second of all, your childhood was terrible, right? That's all we can say. So action figures, right? Now, now look, this is a modern-day action figure. But um, when I was a kid, probably about 10, 10, 11 years old, I had them all. Can I take you through some of them? I had all the X-Men, right? Storm, Wolverine, Cyclops, even Professor X in the little wheelchair thing. Had them all. Wolverine was so cool. He was in the original blue and yellow outfit with the mask. All right? Yeah, Fox, your movies are horrible. And he had his, his little, his little uh, claws, they, they were retractable. So you could push them down, they pop back up. Push them down, they pop back up, right? I had Storm. I had all the Ghostbusters, all four, all right? A little toy Slimer. I had the little, I don't know what it's called, like Ecto something. There's a little vehicle that you could, you could have. I had all the G.I. Joes, right? Rest in peace, G.I. Joes, before The Rock came. I had, um, I had all of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, even April O'Neil. Had Splinter had them all. And look, I would play with them all the time. And and my parents would often come in and say, hey, you're going to have to clean all this up. And that used to make me mad. So what I did is I cleaned my whole closet out and I created this layer for for all my action figures, okay? And so I had this like kind of built house and it was all, and all my characters that could fly like Storm or Superman or whatever, I would hang them from the ceiling of my closet by string. So it looked like they were flying. This is dead honest truth, y'all. Don't you hate on my creativity because your childhood was boring, Okay over there playing video games. Y'all better get a life. And so I had, a, and they'd be hanging down, and, and it gets better, it gets better. They, every good hero needs a dance-on distress, Right? And so I would go over to my sister's room and take off her Barbies, because that just made sense. But her Barbies, because they're freakishly tall. You ever thought about this? Barbies are just, like Goliath's like, like sister or something. It's just weird. And so, but McDonald's came out with these Barbie toys, and they were as tall as action figures. They didn't have no feet, but they were as tall as action figures. And so I would go get them, and they would be like the damsel, damsel how Was it, damsel, in distress. So Wolverine has somebody to save. You know what I'm talking about? That's what it was all, because he had to get a kiss at the end of the night. And so he had to save her from Shredder or, or from Magneto or, Okay. And so, thank you. Um, uh, apparently, some Christians are in here. And so, uh, then, then to make things worse, occasionally when I was playing with them, the arm would break off. You ever had this problem? I get crazy with my action figure, or a leg would break off. And most people, because they lack creativity from the Lord, they would just throw their toy away. Oh no, I went to my mom's bathroom and got her red fingernail polish, and I came in and I would paint in the joint where the leg was missing or the arm was missing so it looked like blood, like like Magneto had just ripped Wolverine's arm off. You know what I'm talking about? All right, let me tell you another side story. When I would play with them in the closet, sometimes I'd close the closet door because I didn't want to be interrupted by my sister or life. And one time I had about seven bottles of fingernail polish and I was painting on and my dad came to get me and he said he opened the door he said the entire smell about knocked him down. He said, I'm convinced that when you were eating your biscuits and gravy, you were as high as a kite. And so I don't, I don't know how true that is, but the next time he visits, we'll ask him. But, but man, it was so awesome. I just, it, it was action figure. One one time, and if my mom's watching on live stream, I'm still bitter about this. She took all my toys, put them in a plastic bag, sold them at a yard sale for $1. Thank you. Go on live stream, comment, Vicki Powell, you're wrong. Just wrong. And so it was just beautiful. All these action figures are just incredible. And, and so one day, a couple years ago, I was having this conversation with a friend, and Lord brought this conversation back to my mind. My friend said, man, you know what? If you would have kept them in the package ooh, they'd be worth so much money. And at first I was like, you're right. Because I got these things called starting lineups. They're like, they're like athletes, but they don't move. They're just like, you know, like that. And, and, and I kept them in the package because they are worth money. And so I thought, ooh, you're right. But then I told him, I said, you would have had a hard time explaining that to 10-year-old Troy. In case you're not familiar with action figures because you don't have a life, this is what they look like when you go and buy one, this cute little package, Right? So what this gentleman meant when he was talking to me is he said, if I would have kept all my toys in their original packaging, they would have been worth money. And I thought, yeah, you're right. But then I thought about it again. I said, you know what, though? That would have been really dumb because this was not created for this. This was created to be played with. This was created to be able to punch shredder, because you could punch them. You could put this hand down, and you could punch them right there. Right? And they even came with accessories, right? Accessories were included. He had little size and stuff. It was all, some of them you could change heads out and change costumes. This is what it, it was for me to play with. wasn't for me to keep in a package. How could I tell 10-year-old Troy? I got a 9-year-old now. I'm trying to imagine telling my daughter, hey, I got you something. Please don't open it. She'd be like, get away from me. That is, this made to be open. And I could be like, oh, no, 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 wait, wait, listen, no, listen. If you don't open it, it'll stay in mint condition. It won't be broken. It won't get dirty. And at the end of your life, 40, 50 years old, you're going to be able to get like 30 bucks for it. (laughs) She would be like, oh, man, you're insane. And I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking about the purpose of a toy and the concept of living it in the package. And I felt the Spirit of God tell me, do you, when it comes to your faith, do you want to live your life packaged or purposed? Think about that. You, you, you want to be packaged? I'm a Christian. I, I'm clean. Nobody's hurt my feelings. I've never been offended. I've never been used, never had my heart hurt. I am clean. I am in mint condition." I'm good to go, but I'm forgotten. Can I explain that real quick? If you drive to Memphis, Tennessee, and you walk into the house of my in-laws, you go into what is considered, I guess, a basement or an attic, I'm not really sure, and you find this tub that's under about 10 other tubs and got dust on it, and you open it up, you will find all of my starting lineups. You'll find Dan Marino, Dan Marino, Charles Woodson, when he won the, the uh, Heisman Trophy. You'll find a bunch of Penny Hardaways, and they're just sitting there like this. And guess what? They are forgotten. Meanwhile, you've got something over here that has the potential to be broken, to get dirty, to get used, but it's fulfilled. I feel the spirit of Woody and Buzz Lightyear coming on me. You know what I'm talking about? Like just the purpose. So, so what does that mean? Listen, when it comes to us, church, we can stay packaged. We can be clean, unused, safe, mint condition, but we will be forgotten. All that God's done for you will be forgotten. Or you can step out, be used, maybe get dirty, maybe you lose an arm, And i got to put fingernail polish in the joint of where the arm was. But you are fulfilled. And I'm just learning that there's a difference between God just doing more in me and God doing more through me. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live my life packaged. I'd much rather live it purposed. And this is where God's calling us as a church to go. We were never called to be packaged. I get it. You've been hurt before, I get it. You're new to Christianity, I get it. All that doesn't make sense, I get it. But hear me, you were not saved to be packaged. You were saved to be purposed. And that means you gotta come up out of the package, right? And you gotta allow God to operate through you. Because can I tell you what will never never be effective? Tim, I'm going to use you for an example. Just stay right there. It's for you to walk up to somebody and to be able to get their interest in Jesus and go, oh, ego. But, but hey, don't, don't open it. Just, right, right, just don't open it. I want you to really make sure it stays in great condition. Be very little interest there. i tell you a random story I thought was funny. This is going to be so embarrassing, but it's really funny. I was talking to a friend of mine um, on Marco Polo, where you talk back and forth on the camera, and he had some... Uh, some gentleman coming to tell him about being a Mormon, and he was asking me about it, and he said, you know what would be real creative? He said, instead of just saying, I want to tell you about John, say, I want to tell you about John John. (laughs) He said, because when you say something about John John, people go, who's John John? He said, then all of a sudden you got him, right? So it's all about the presentation. And I'm thinking, you give how we present Jesus to people when it comes all clean and packaged, right? There's less effectiveness, But when it's like, hey, hey, here I am. (laughs) here, No, no, actually, I'm going to keep him. Here I am. You know, you'd be trying to take stuff for Charlie. And it's just me. And I'm not perfect. And you may end up breaking an arm off or a leg off, but hey, guess what? I'm purposed and I'm fulfilled. Amen. Where God's about to take us over the next four or five weeks, he wants to do something through us. But right now, you have to go ahead and get it in your mind that God didn't save you to be packaged. He saved you to be purposed. So Next week, I'm going to take you through the exact people that God brought strategically for you to impact. But before you can do that, you've got to be able to see yourself as purposed, not packaged. Amen? Before I pray, I do want to say this. when, when I'll give it to you now. When, uh, when Ahimelech told... David, that this was the sword. David says in verse 9, chapter 21, there is none like it. There's none like it. Give it to me. There's none like it. Let me tell you something this morning, church. There's none like your testimony. There's nothing like your story. There's nothing like what God's done in your life to be able to impact somebody else's life. There's none like it. Give it to me. And here's what I think God would ultimately say to us. When it comes to your life and when it comes to your faith, there's nothing like it. Give it to me. He gave his life for us, and now we turn around and give our life to him. Right? I was thinking about that song you sang at the end. We want you more and more. For the Lord is good and his love endures. I'll shout it from the what? Mountaintops, how does it go? Lord is good. Lord is good I'm having my moment, y'all. Leave me alone, <laughs> and I'll shout it out from the mountain top. Hold on, hold on, for the Lord is good. And his love endures. I will keep my mouth shut forever. I won't tell a soul. I'll just store my sword. Then my life won't change anybody's. It's completely different, church. It's completely different. And I know there's a moment of humor there because that's silly. But there's a moment of conviction here. Because if he's good, and if his love endures, if that's the God you know, because it's the God I know, then what do I got to do? Hey, I need you back. Hey, you, you. Quit talking to my wife. Come on. No, 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 I don't need you to go anywhere. Stay right there. Come on. And I'll shout it out from the mountaintops. The Lord is good forever, for the Lord is good, and His love endures. Yes, the Lord is good forever, and I'll shout it out from the tops. Yes, the Lord is good forever. Come on, would you stand with me real quick? For the Lord is good and his love endures. Yes, the Lord is good forever. Hey, man, go ahead and come up here. Let's do this and real I'll quick. Show. I think we're going to make this our prayer. That's how we're going to end service today. We're going to make this our prayer. How many of you say the Lord is good? Just let me see real quick. Make sure, everybody, the Lord is good. Lord is good. How many of you believe that his love endures forever? Anybody? Anybody say his love endures forever? Come on, you can testify for a second. Go ahead and testify for a second. How how many say the Lord is good? You know the Lord is good? How many God's done something good in your life? He's done something good. He's worthy. His love endures. He set me free. He put my feet on solid ground. He delivered me. He gave me freedom. He healed my loved ones. He gave my children health. He gave me purpose. He gave me a reason. His salvation, His Son died for me so that I would go from an eternity in hell to an eternity in heaven. Come on, if God's good, let me hear you praise Him for a second. He's good. He's good. Then it can't just be a song. It's got to be a promise. I will shout his name from the mountaintops. Hey, real quick, I don't, you ain't got nowhere to go. If you're not careful, you'll leave out of here going, oh, the mountaintops. So the next time that I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, I'll climb up onto the mountaintops and I will shout the name of the Lord. I don't know about you, I ain't going to Phoenix anytime soon. Don't go climbing the rocks out here in the back of Rock Springs trying to scream it from a mountaintop. Do you know what the mountaintop is? It's your job. The mountaintop is your neighborhood. It's the school you go to. It's the people that work for you, and it's the people you work for. It's the barista at the Starbucks that you're addicted to. It's your waitress at Camino Real. That's your mountaintop. Don't you walk out of here being super spiritual. Talking about how you're gonna shout out God from your prayer closet. Shout out God when you walk into cheddars, right? God has been good to me. I, I was talking to somebody in the gym today and I said, How you doing, brother? He said, I'm blessed and highly favored. You know what I Remember that? How you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored. I understand that's kind of old, but we just need we need to millennialize it or something, right? We just need to find a way to shout it out from the rooftops. God is good. Don't, look at my sword. Look at the victory. Look what God's done in my life. Taste this bread. Taste and see that he is good. He's good. There are 36,000 people that need to know this. And they do not have closed ears. But if we aren't careful, we'll have closed mouths. He saved you. But he don't want to just save you. There is nothing about me and nothing about you that every person out there doesn't have. They need him as much as we need him. And you're going to have to be uncomfortable to give it to him. You're going to have to be unpackaged to be purposed. Amen.